When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fueled by Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Order online for doorstep delivery. The NHL season's heating up, and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer home and Leon Dreisaitl anytime goal or ride the puck line with the Edmonton Oilers, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you're... Oilers fans, this holiday season, there is a lot to celebrate. And Temperance Spirits has you covered, curating the best non-alcoholic beverages to keep the party going into the new year. As a small Edmonton-based business, Temperance is rooted in community and bringing people together. Available online, enjoy fast local delivery to your doorstep in the greater Edmonton area. Whether you're hosting this year's holiday party or looking for the perfect gift, Temperance Spirits is your go-to source for celebrating without the buzz. To make your holidays brighter, order your favorite non-elk drinks at www.temperance-spirits.com and score a festive 15% off with the discount code SDPN. This season, let the Temperance Spirits online store be your secret to scoring a merry and festive celebration. You can stay connected with them at, at Temperance Spirits on Instagram and Facebook. Alright, welcome back to a special crossover edition of game over Edmonton the Oilers win three to one over the Ottawa Senators to win there I believe seventh in a row thanks to a hat trick from Zach Hyman Maud that was a pretty boring game for what about 55 minutes or so uh, I know it's super late for you uh let's just jump into it you know what were your kind of overall thoughts on the game yeah a boring game is right uh, I'll put it this way. I have COVID and watching this game was more painful than sitting around with COVID from the Senators perspective. So rough one here tonight. I am glad to be back on the show, though. Missed a lot, the last one because of sickness. So mm-hmm. even though even though it's a crappy one once again for the Sens, that's the trend lately. I'm, I'm glad to be uh, back here to talk about it at least. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you're feeling well enough to come on and talk to me about this game. I'm sorry, you guys. Oh, I'm not that sorry you didn't get the result that you wanted. Uh, I'm quite happy. The Oilers' record is now 20-15-1 and after starting 2-9-1, you know, being literally dead last in the NHL at one point when they lost to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, to come storming all the way back. Now they finally, finally, after all this, uh, after firing their coach, 
uh, firing their coach when they, well, maybe honestly a little bit soon, a little bit before they should have, I'm sure uh, you were kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, and we can get into that, and I'm interested in a lot of Senator stuff, because they're a team that, you know, they do interest me, like, I don't understand how they're bad, like, I truly oh don't. Um, mm -hmm. obviously I'm kind of lucky with the talent I get to watch every single night. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, going into this game, obviously Stuart Skinner gets a start for Edmonton. Anton Forsberg gets a start for, uh, Ottawa. Once an oiler, always an oiler. I thought they were going to get goalied by Anton Forsberg. That's at least what it looked like coming out of the first period. Zero, zero. Uh, Evan Bouchard, it kind of started off like he always had some pressure. And then Evan Bouchard, an early giveaway to Tim Stutza comes in kind of at a bad angle. And that was like, what? the Sen's best chance of the first period. I can't even remember any good chances we had in the first period, which is rough because I felt like the first half of this game was better than the second half for the Sens, probably just because uh, it was scoreless in the first half. But yeah, like it's a struggle for me to even remember any scoring chances other than the goal. I feel like uh, Parker Kelly, even before mm -hmm. he scored, had our best chances tonight, like even before the goal. And that's not a good thing when he's the guy who is the most noticeable on offense. So um you mentioned the goaltending battle with, with Skinner and Forsberg. I feel like a pretty easy night for Skinner overall. Yeah, totally, totally. This is, Stu was very solid tonight when he had me. It kind of sucks. Honestly, I was a little sad he didn't get the shutout. I've been really, really, really hard on Stuart Skinner this season. Obviously, the Oilers expected to be a championship-level team, and they were not getting championship-level goaltending. But I, get, I believe now this being his 15th starter, uh, whether you want to look at his last 13 starts, he's above a 925 or something, and he's been playing really well. Uh, the Oilers had an eight-game win streak previously in the season, which Stuart Skinner was pretty average, actually. The Oilers were just playing really well defensively, and over that eight-game stretch, he only ended up finishing with, like, plus one goal saved above expected. But during this stretch, he's been much better. He's stopping everything that he should have, uh, should be, and a little bit more. There was kind of a flurry in the second period where I felt like he made three kind of decent saves, but there were no, at least it didn't feel like to me there were any grade A opportunities. I know I kind of texted this to you and I put this in the in the group chat, but like after the first period, the Senators were like point, according to Money Puck, were 0 0.38 uh, expected goals generated to the Oilers like 2.5 in that period, right? Like Forsberg was standing on his head. That was the only reason the Senators were in that game. Uh, besides Parker Kelly and Forsberg, is there anyone else that stood out to you? <laughs> really, no. Like I, f I feel like Giroux had a decent motor tonight, and he was trying to make things happen. But it's a struggle when your line mates aren't able to do that either. Like Brady, Brady Kachuk had the decent uh, setup on the goal, which I was surprised that that was initially waved off. Yeah, way. that that was really weird. Um, so unfortunately Skinner not getting the shutout on that one. Uh, I'll be honest, like <laughs> I have Skinner on one of my fantasy teams and I was actually kind of mad that we scored on him because <laughs> at that point, at this point with how bad the season is for the Sens, I was just hoping for the fantasy stats instead just to, to get that shutout. So it's, it's depressing. I feel like <laughs> in, in terms of offense, this is my issue with this team is that I feel like even if this team is going to be bad, they should at least be scoring a bunch of goals. Yeah. Should be a high-flying offensive team, but there was just absolutely none of that tonight. Well, if we've it, had some, yeah. some other games recently where we have been scoring and then, you know, blowing the lead, but we have too many games like this where we just don't generate anything. Well, it felt like, like to me, it felt like Stutzla was generating, but there's just no one around him to finish. Like you see, like, the Oilers had a problem earlier on in the season, and I know we're not talking about the game specifically, but like 
uh, finding line mates for Leon Drasaddle, whether it was Evander Kane on his line or Sam Gagne or whoever, they weren't. He wasn't able to have a player to play off. And if, as you can tell by looking at the top ten points scores in the NHL, like Leon's not on that list right now because he never had those players to play off of, and his shooting percentage hasn't isn't as high this year as it has been the previous like five years or whatever. So, but. He, they, now, with Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod, and in this game specifically, again, they were so, so, so noticeable, and they're not the biggest names or whatever, but they allow Leon to play off of him, and they allow him to set up in the offensive zone, and McLeod and Fogle are both capable of hanging onto the puck while Leon works himself to another open area to get open, to take a shot, to create a better chance, rather than all the offense being 100% reliant upon Leon Drysaddle specifically. And it kind of feels to me that the Sens don't have that uh, with Tim Stutzler, because he was creating, he got some shots, they kind of, the Sens kind of missed the net in some key areas, they definitely could have created, there were a few posts, Chikrin hit a post earlier, McEwen hit a post kind of later on in the game, um, but it, it just feels weird, like, to me, when I hear the names, Giroux, Tarasenko, like, to me, as an outsider, who doesn't really, like, I watch the Sens twice a year when they play the U.S., like, that is it, and, uh, when, like, Vladimir Tarasenko, to me, like, Felt like he was kind of noticeable, I want to say. There was that play, I mean, earlier on where uh, Matias Ekholm kind of crushed him from behind, and I thought it was going to be a penalty, but uh, it obviously wasn't, which ended up working, obviously. It honestly wouldn't have even mattered because uh, in that first period right after there, and here comes my next question, uh, Evander Kane, kind of careless, is kind of the, the theme with Evander Kane. You take the good and the bad, the streaky with that guy. Um... He spins around, hits Claude Giroux in the face. Giroux goes down. The Sens get a double minor, and they get nothing on that power play. It was a huge momentum killer. What happened there? When I said earlier that this was a painful game to watch, it was literally right from the beginning of the game, specifically because of that four-minute power play. I don't know what it is this year because last year the Sens spent a good chunk of of the season uh, ranked in the top five for power play and I think they finished eighth and this season is just totally cratered like it is absolutely in the toilet and especially the first power play unit just feels so stagnant just kind of trying to do the same plays over and over again if they don't set up Josh Norris for that perfect one-timer on the right wing they basically have no other like plays at all like especially Tim Stutzler this season you're right that he was creating some stuff and he did have some shots today but I feel like his shot is not threatening at all this season and I've I've really been wondering if he's struggling with an injury like a wrist or arm or something like that like shoulder maybe it just feels like his shot doesn't doesn't feel threatening it feels like uh he's passing off options to shoot too so when you only have norris as that shooting option on the power play it's pretty rough and there was a couple of uh opportunities on that four minute power play where they sent it to norris and the pass was off or he just kind of whiffed on it mm -hmm. so and and again like it's frustrating too because you also have brady kachuk on that power play unit you should be getting a lot of shots on net for him to get deflections or rebounds and I kind of feel like maybe they should go for a, a little bit more of a volume approach and just try to utilize Kachuk. But it feels like a lot of the time we just don't even get the puck on net if it's not from the Norris one-timer. So then Kachuk is useless on the power play too at that point. I It's it's really weird with the coaching change. And apparently Daniel Alfredson is the power play coach now, but I haven't really noticed much of a difference. I kind of feel like they're kind of trying to stick to similar strategies that they've been using so far. And I feel like they really need to change it up.
Yeah, totally. It's funny just to contrast what you were saying there about how the Sens kind of were going for the same look over and over and over. And that's kind of, and obviously the Oilers have a deadly power play, but for a long stretch, and even the last like 15 games, despite the winning, the power play really hasn't been there. It's been mostly five on five production. And it's mm-hmm. funny because early on in the game, the Oilers power play got nothing. Like the Sens PK was set up really well. They were, they established their box down low and the Oilers could not get anything going because the same, very similar to the Sens, you know exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to get Connor to circle around, give it to Bouchard, maybe back to New Jompkins, back to Bouchard, gets it to Connor. Connor skates around looking for Leon. He's waiting for the scene to open and because the Sens were so well well positioned and so uh, they were just in the right spots with their sticks, they weren't able to get the pass every time they made the pass. It was broken up, sent back down the ice. They couldn't create anything. Later on, the shift comes when the Oilers finally score their one nothing goal later on in the second period, right? They finally, someone told them, like, just get a point shot, get a point shot, get a point shot. And Evan Bouchard is one of the best defensemen in the NHL, generating those chances, creating from the blue line. And what does he do? Gets it in, goes off Zach Hyman. I don't know. It was a very, very, very soft tip, but beats Anton yeah, Forsberg I, I didn't finally. didn't see that tip in real time. I was surprised when they when they said it was changed. It's funny. On my notes, I wrote might have been tipped by Hyman, and then I just they kind of went with Bouchard. Usually, you can hear the in-house announcer kind of change the mm-hmm. goal, and I never heard that. But like, it wasn't a very obvious deflection. I'm honestly like, it was 50-50. If they left it as Bouchard, I'm sure like nothing ever would have come from it. But they gave it to Hyman, and obviously Zach Hyman got his uh, 23rd, 24th, and 25th goals of the year. So he's halfway to 50 now. Uh, $5.5 million. Uh, some people said it was the worst free agent signing of all time. It's very funny to see. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the Oilers, obviously, this, this from my perspective, at least watching, like I know I used to complain about how the Sens, I, I, what I'm getting, uh, what I sense you're getting at is sloppy, whatever, a bunch of different things. Um, but that's kind of how I felt the Oilers played. Like, this was not a good game from the Oilers by it many. It wasn't. No. Like, you could tell when they have their legs. And it kind of, they, the Oilers are a team that they're, I don't know. If they, again, I only watch the Oilers, so it's really tough to say. But, like, they're a team that feels like if they score in the first five minutes of the game, then all of a sudden the ball's rolling and the confidence it's going. If they don't, they get really stagnant and they let the other team back into the game. Like the Oilers are a team that will dominate you for 15 minute stretches. And then all of a sudden for the next 10 minutes, you're like, where'd that go? How is, you know, Parker Kelly and Zach McEwen getting all these chances on, on uh, Stuart Skinner. But uh, I, yeah, it was a really sloppy game. But the thing is, again, this is the type of game where the Oilers have the talent to kind of sit back and let themselves kind of play into the game, even though it's not really how they're built, not how you want to win long-term, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it was a really odd game for the Oilers, and I wasn't really happy on a number of fronts. I felt like they weren't necessarily giving up uh, the defensive opportunities that they were against even Anaheim in the last couple games, but I, I, I felt, it, it felt odd. It, 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 it almost felt like they were, would have let Ottawa into this game if Ottawa was willing to take it, but Ottawa it wasn't. Like it, yeah. And mm-hmm. like guys like that, I hear of like, you, oh, I hear of when I watch highlights or whatever, you know, you see goals from Drake Batherson, Brady Kachuk, and you brought up Kachuk earlier. And obviously Kachuk created that goal late in the period that ended up counting when the Sens challenged it. Um, it, it it's just really odd to see because they're not, noticeable like you would expect from an outsider perspective like Brady Kachuk mm-hmm. does not impact the game the way and obviously I have a lot more experience watching Matthew Kachuk obviously um he doesn't impact the game in the way that I expected him to impact the game what's up with that? Is, is he like is he 
injured as well, or is this just Brady Kachuk? It's possible that he could also be be uh, dealing with a lingering injury, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's more of a mental thing for him this year. Uh, I think it was it was either after the last game or after the Vancouver game two games ago. He was quoted as saying like this is the worst he's ever felt in his life with how the team Jeez. is doing. So I feel like he's getting in his own head about it even more with how the season is spiraling with just loss after loss. Because um, you you compare him to his brother, like I think last year Brady did have that effect on games. He could totally uh, like rally the troops and put up the shots, hits, and goals, on, and even assists on the scoreboard. But this year he's outside of like a decent goal total. He's really not uh, impacting the game as much. Like you said, you you don't really notice him until he makes that one play where he drives the net. It's 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 tough. I, I feel like the line combinations have been juggling a lot for the Sens, and they haven't been able to find one that works, which is really weird because last year they played Kachuk, Stutzel, Giroux for like the whole year as the first line, and they absolutely carried us. We were a complete one-line team, and now those guys are getting switched around a bunch, not really finding chemistry with with the other players too. And it's it's just really weird. I feel like it's all mental with Brady, and it, it's tough to see from from our captain too. You expect him to be the guy who can really lead, and it feels like he might need a little bit of help in terms of leading. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Yeah, totally. And one of those guys that was playing almost more like Brady Kachuk, and in my eyes, more noticeable than Brady Kachuk uh, tonight was like Ridley Gregg. Like you at least saw Ridley mm-hmm. Gregg try to get in the face of some of those. He hammered Derek Ryan in the second yep. period, right? Like he got in there. I thought Evander Kane was going to go after him that shift because obviously Evander Kane is down on the other third line right now. But um, just like outside of Ridley Gregg, outside of Parker Kelly, outside of some some of the, like the sense like supporting cast, it just it didn't feel like it was there for them and it didn't feel like they wanted it. They feel like checked out to me, if that makes mm. sense. Like there's just no, like you're down two to one. You just score a goal. What the hell is Artem Zub doing with that stupid penalty on Warren yeah. Fogel? Like, I just can't explain it. Like maybe, okay, you're, yeah, your first penalty wasn't like debatable, whatever. I can't even remember exactly what it, oh, was it, was it the holding on McDavid? Was that a mm-hmm. Zub? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, it's Connor McDavid. He draws a million calls. He's going to draw a million calls. I would honestly prefer. I, Connor McDavid doesn't get the benefit of the doubt enough. So when that does happen, happen, I'm a very happy camper. Um, but yeah, like what we're I'm kind of, I'm kind of jumping all around. I'm not really going in chronological order. But I mean, this is such a boring game. Like we can talk about Nurse and Warren <laughs> Fogle running into each other in the neutral zone, giving. I think it was Parker Kelly, a partial breakaway. Who I think he missed the net or whatever. Uh, but like outside of that, it was a pretty laid back lackadaisical game like i mean if you even look at the shots uh like the first period they were 15 to 9 for edmonton did not feel 
like it felt like it were 15 to 2 like you know what i mean like it did not feel yeah. And then, uh, and then I think thirty-three to nineteen after the third, and then the Sens kind of got a few more shots in the third, but they were kind of a lot from the outside. They were trying to create a little bit, but once Zub took that penalty, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about. That what what are our thoughts on Artem Zub? What's our thoughts on that whole situation there with Warren Fogel? How frustrating was that for you to watch? It's it's a tough one because it it's definitely a penalty, but I feel like it's the type of thing that gets uh, let go by the refs a lot. So I feel like it was just kind of unlucky that they actually decided to call it on Zub. I can't really get too mad at him for it, especially because uh, a, a lot of the time on dumping plays, you're able to just completely rub the guy off against the boards. And I guess this was more towards the middle of the ice, which is why they called it. And uh, I, I'm not, I don't remember, um, did the Oilers player, did Fogel, did he have the puck and then chip it in or was he I, just he chasing would, it? I want to say he had possession, he chipped it in and then he was trying to get around Zub and Zub kind of interfered with him. You did mm -hmm. see though earlier in the game, like Evan Bouchard kind of get in the way of, I can't remember who on the sends, kind of go for the dump and Bouchard kind of goes for the late pick interference play which is again a borderline play with a player like Connor mcdavid it's like it happens 12 times a game people interfere with him all the time to get away with it so when i saw bouchard get called for that i was pretty frustrated i can't lie even though it, it, it by the book it is a penalty so that's kind of where i thought they were going uh with that fogel one another thing that did happen though that this makes me think of is if you think uh, kind of a little bit before this, in the third period, Claude Giroux was going into the Oilers' zone. He was creating, and the Oilers' third pair was on the ice. was Deharnay and Kulak. And uh, Giroux makes, tries to make a move around Kulak, and it looks like he has Kulak beat. And Kulak, on the broadcast, they kind of said, oh, wow, what a amazing defensive play by Brett Kulak. But I feel like if Claude Giroux were to have fallen, because it looked like he did lose his balance, but he regained it and he fought hard, he, he would have drawn a penalty there. But mm -hmm. he didn't fall. So, I don't know. It, it was really weird. Uh, 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 a really uh, officiated game, I thought. I mean, there wasn't anything egregious, obviously. It was pretty, pretty again, pretty lackadaisical effort from all parties involved. Uh, from an outsider perspective, one thing I kind of want to ask, um, just because I like to get people's thoughts on it who don't usually watch the Oilers. Obviously, you know uh, McDavid, Jocelyn, and John time and whatever. Uh, Evan Bouchard, is he better than you thought? Is he exactly what you thought? What are your thoughts on Evan Bouchard? Did he did he stand out to you tonight? Three assists? Yeah, the three assists. It's like, especially the shooting threat on the power play, I think is what I love to see. Because as I was saying with the Sens power play earlier, you just have that play to Norris and then they don't do anything else. Like Shabbat isn't much of a shooting threat. Neither is Sanderson or Chikrin at the point. So having the defenseman who can fire the puck like that is awesome. Obviously, it didn't end up being his goal. Hyman kind of stole it. But uh, I love that element of his game just to have that absolute bomb of a shot. And, and yeah, like... I feel like he is one of the better offensive defensemen in the NHL. I I don't think I watched the Oilers closely enough yeah. to know like if his defensive game really holds up because that's the the question with him, right? But whenever I see him in highlights and stuff, I'm just constantly impressed. Oh, it's funny because like early on in the game, right? That that first play where Stutzla kind of he does the, he tries to make a move in the neutral zone on Stutzla. Stutzla poke checks it and get creates a pretty decent opportunity, even though he wasn't really able to create much from it. That's like Evan Bouchard's game in a nutshell. Uh, he, for a long period of time, he just wasn't getting the saves. Like one of the worst on ice save percent uh, percentages in the NHL, uh, relative to like everyone else. But then when he started getting the saves, all of a sudden, like to me, he is the Oilers' best defenseman. Not even close. Mm -hmm. Like I give him, I, 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 honest to God, believe he deserves Norris votes this year. He's excellent on both ends of the ice. Him and Matias Ekholm 
are the best pair in the NHL. When those two are on the ice, it is always in the offensive zone. It doesn't matter if they're playing the Sens, the Blue Jackets, or the team that has the second best expected goals for in the LA Kings. Like they always, they always have the puck in the offensive zone. And you combine that with the Oilers' first line of Hyman, McDavid, and Eugene Hopkins, who's uh, in terms of like expected goals, I think they're still, according to Money Puck Riding, like control like 75% of the expected goals. And that line is on the ice after like now playing together for like what, 200 minutes, something like that. Like that is just such a, do- a dominant combination of five. Um, it, it's really, really fantastic to see. And the biggest thing for us, at least as like Oilers fans is watching him make moves to the blue line. Like you saw the way he can keep the puck in on the power play is such a game changer. And the way he can create on the power play and get it to Ekholm and keep plays alive where we're so used to for so long, even Tyson Berry wasn't nowhere near as good as Evan Bouchard, Cody Cece. We still struggle watching him make plays, trying to hold the zone. Like you saw, obviously the most noticeable thing from Cody Cece tonight was getting hit in the face with this, with a puck, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of just a, a puck. And I'm, I'm shocked a concussion spotted and pull her from the game, to be honest with you. It was kind of odd when you lay on the ice like that, like not to come out of the game, but uh, whatever. Even even Drew, when he got hit in the face, he was right back out on that four-minute power play. So that was a little odd to see. Um, but yeah, you know, Cody, Cece, uh, the Oilers kind of need an upgrade there. That's the one thing. Yeah. They, yeah. I wanted to ask you about Cece's season because he is always relevant in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. He is just part of the Senators' lore at this point. So mm-hmm. like... You say they need an upgrade on him. I yeah. felt like he was fine tonight, but he's also the type of defenseman that he's never going to be better than fine, right? Yeah, I mean, if he was the Oilers' third-pair right-shot defenseman, I would have absolutely zero complaints from him. The problem with Cody Cece is he's stapled to Darnell Nurse, and when he's stapled mm-hmm. to Darnell Nurse, he's playing, you know, he played almost 21 minutes tonight. Uh, He's put on the... And again, if in defensive zone situations, on the penalty kill, absolutely, by all means, sure, whatever. But the problem is when you're on the ice with Drysaddle and McDavid specifically, if you cannot break out the puck, if you cannot keep the play alive in the offensive zone, you absolutely kill this team. And Darnell Nurse needs a partner that is built for him. You need someone who's really good at puck retrievals. You need someone who can make a breakout pass. And you need someone who is uh, probably a little bit better offensively than CeCe because the amount of opportunities, even over the last 10 games that Cody CeCe has had in the slot alone like i i literally i can't remember what game it was but cody cc had a breakaway not too long ago and (laughs) yeah exactly the the oilers put their defensemen and i know they talked about this on the broadcast but the way paul coffee has kind of changed the oilers defense is the activation and the oilers are like their defense are much more active it's a four-man attack a lot of times like there's always a defenseman jumping in on the rush the problem is when it's cody cc you can just expect that it is not going to go in the net which is kind of mm-hmm. a huge killer because he's they create so much for him i believe he is the the uh the current skater who with the active longest goal drought in the nhl it's i want to say it's like 130 something games he hasn't scored since game one of last season what yeah last year probably. yeah exactly i i saw another podcast they did the math essentially with the amount cody cc has skated thanks to nhl edge he could have skated all the way to winnipeg and back to edmonton uh in the time that he's uh hasn't scored a goal <laughs> oh my god yeah so it, i mean yeah. yeah it doesn't surprise me too much because the one of the moments that just sticks out in my brain with cody cc is uh, actually when he was on the leafs in the bubble and they had like it was against the the Blue Jackets in the play-in series. They had like a awesome shift in the offensive zone and they, they unfortunately send it to Cody CC for a shot and it goes like six feet wide of the entire net. So I, I'm 
not surprised at all by that. And the the other Cody CC moment that I have to bring up too, that's burned into my memory from his time in Ottawa was there was once, and someone posted the gif of this uh, the other day, so I'm not making this up. There was once a time where he lost the puck. He turned over the puck to a player without a stick in the neutral zone. And that is just like Cody Cece personified in my mind. Does does he still have moments like that? Oh, all the time. There's always moments. I mean, the thing is, Darnell Nurse gets a lot of flack, but he is stapled to a guy where he Darnell needs to be the number one. Uh, he he he's paid to be the Oilers' number one defenseman. He needs to be the Oilers' number one defenseman. He tries to do almost too much sometimes, and I think he kind of drags Cody Cece into that with him sometimes, just to be the just by how much. They're on the ice together, and there are so many times you're like, oh, the break. Oh, it's Cody Cece. What the hell? Oh, Cody Cece. What, what, what? Just shoots it 10 feet wide into the boards off the net. Oftentimes, he's hitting Derek Ryan in the shin pad somehow with the puck uh, four feet wide of the net. Um, but again, he's solid in the right situations. But again, in this top pair, and I see people in the chat are kind of, yo, I have no issue with Cece. I get that. He's fine. But again, when you're a Stanley Cup contender you want someone who's able to move the puck and just you want the optimal partner for nurse and he is not the optimal partner for nurse the optimal partner for nurse honestly is probably evan bouchard but him and Ekholm just work so well together that uh you don't want to do it uh before we're kind of cruising along real quick here i mean this was a, there's literally there was nothing to talk about for so long in this game yeah. uh i just want to say what's up to everyone in the chat it's super late so thank you for sticking around and joining us late at night here mgd mcnader travis uh, all the regulars, Drew, I'm not sure if he's a game over Ottawa regular or not, I don't, uh, Luke, everyone joining us, Minister, uh, there's 35 people watching right now, so if you want to go ahead, hit like, we really appreciate it, it helps us out a lot, hit subscribe, we're closing in on 100,000 subscribers, so, uh, really, really would help us a lot, uh, other than that, uh, if anyone's got any press conference questions, I don't know, uh, if you do, but the Oilers, the Senators, anything kind of going on this season with either team, throw them in the chat, we'll try and get to them, uh, pretty quick here um and yeah uh just other than that mod uh is there anything else tonight like or here you know what i actually want to ask you about here's the last thing we'll be yeah, waiting for press conference for questions last year i wanted jacob chikrin so bad the oilers ended oh, up yeah. getting matias ekholm right how has jacob chikrin's fit been in auto because ekholm has been fantastic and mm -hmm. yeah so so this is a, a funny question specifically because of the Oilers being mm -hmm. uh, roped into it, is because I really like Jacob Chikrin, and I'm probably uh, one of the most happy with him in the Sens fan base from what I've seen on Twitter. Uh, but you're, you should be glad that you got Matthias Ekholm instead, uh, because in terms of his defensive play, it's it would not be what the Oilers needed. Like, the physicality and the defensive acumen that Ekholm has is exactly what the Oilers needed. Mm -hmm. And really, it's what the Sens need, too. Yeah. Even though Chikrin is an awesome offensive D, it's like, that's purely what he is at this point. He has a lot of moments defensively, just lapses in judgment and stuff like that, and some turnovers. He's kind of the play style where he's going to turn the puck over a lot because he always has the puck on his stick. So sometimes you can give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for that. Um, personally, I'm I'm really impressed with his offensive game. And I feel like his defensive deficiencies, like we can get away with them. It's just like the rest of the decor that's that's really doesn't pick up the slack is the problem. So if if we had some better defensive D, it wouldn't be as much of an issue. Personally, I would have liked to see him as the Sens all-star choice instead of Brady Kachuk. 
just because of how this season has gone. Um, but that that might be a little bit of a hot take among the Sens fan base. So like for what our team is, I feel like he brings very good elements. I a, a couple of weeks ago I did I went through all the money puck stats of the Sens defense, and Ch- Chikrin was pretty much ranked first on the Sens in like all the important metrics, uh, like all the expected metrics and the real me- metrics as well for the actual results on the ice. So even though he does have his issues, he has been the Sens best D in my opinion, and uh, I'm glad that we got him. But in terms of the Oilers, I I don't think he would have been the guy. It's probably mm-hmm. good that you got Ekholm instead. I remember hearing uh, last year or just kind of on Twitter and everywhere else that the Oilers had a pat like they were going to trade for Jacob Chikrin and uh, I don't know if what happened exactly with Dorian but Ekholm fell in their lap and they obviously Holland you know leans to the veteran and there were questions about Chikrin's defensive game I had it convinced in my head that it was Arizona it was Arizona and he was being dragged down by that team but relative to everyone else he was going to come in here pair with Evan Bouchard and be an all-star defenseman uh, so it's really funny to see because Ekholm had me worried. Like Ekholm's 33, he makes over six mil, like more, well, considerably more than Jacob Chikrin. But he has been just so, so, so good outside of a seven-game stretch at the beginning of this season where he was had a hip injury, he was clearly injured. Uh, just absolutely excellent. He looks like the Matias Ekholm that went to the Stanley Cup Finals of the National Predators. So it's really funny to hear. I didn't expect you to say that he would be the all the, your all-star choice um that's that's really unexpected i guess or do you just have um you're not happy with brady kachuk right now as i take it i I think mostly just because our forwards have been underwhelming overall like drake batherson had a hot streak over the last couple of weeks but he had a a rough start to the year uh stutzla has a lot of assists but he just decided to stop scoring goals this season hopefully because of like an injury or something don't know otherwise if if he doesn't have an injury that's really worrying um Kachuk has the goal total to uh, be worthy of an all-star selection, but like he's always our all-star selection for the last like mm-hmm. four years now. He's just like the obvious choice. So I would have liked to see someone different get it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, honestly, if the Oilers all-star selection was Zach Hyman, I think every Oilers fan would be happy. I'm honestly, this might be a hot take. And there's like one question kind of we can get into after this, but I'm of the mind where like the Oilers right now only have Connor McDavid going to the all-star game. I'd be happy if no other Oiler went to the All-Star. I'd much mm-hmm. rather them have the rest at this point. I yeah. do not care if Leon Drysaddle goes to the All-Star game. I'd be mm-hmm. happy if Connor McDavid, honestly, let him miss a game before the All-Star break. Say you're injured, miss the All-Star break, go rest, go relax. Like, Connor McDavid's been to more All-Star games than Sidney Crosby has at this point already, right? So That's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think this is Crosby's sixth and McDavid's seventh. So, uh, like... Everyone, vote McDavid, vote Hyman, vote Drysdale, vote Dujovkins, vote Bush. No, no, let them get the rest. Let them go to Cabo for four days. The Oilers need it. They've been playing insane. I believe they have the best record in the NHL since, I want to say, the beginning of November. Uh, They're cruising at like an 850 point percentage right now. And again, 2-9-1. I thought the McDavid era was over. Uh, Our Sharks broadcast went crazy. Um, And all of a sudden, they're the best team in the NHL, and they are exactly what they thought they were. Uh, Mickey Nader in the chat says, are the Oilers fooling themselves into being a cup contender? Are we going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Uh, not fooling yourselves at all. I think, obviously, I still would like a goalie. I don't care how well Stuart Skinner plays. I want I, someone I trust a bit more. I know it's tough to do. There's not many goalies out there. Um, you know, Nashville said, no, I'm not trading Ekholm. I just signed Ekholm to an extension this summer. We're not trading him. We're not trading him. All of a sudden, they traded him. And obviously, that was David Poyle, not Barry Trotz. But you know what? That's the one guy I'll hold out hope for is UC Soros. I'd trade 10 first-round picks for him 
if he was on the Edmonton Oilers, I th- I they probably have a 27% chance of winning the Stanley Cup according to everyone's models out there. But uh, other than that, uh, there's not too much going on. Is there any uh, final thoughts? This was a super fun show, super quick, super late. But um, any final thoughts to you going into uh, about the game? About the I have I have a little bit of a hot take okay. that I've been I've been thinking about is that maybe this is going to be too harsh of a comparison, but I feel like the Sens rebuild up to this point. We're getting a little farther away from it now, but I feel like the Sens rebuild is is too close to the the Taylor Hall era Edmonton Oilers yeah. in terms of but except without the first overall picks which is mm-hmm. the key point is that we don't have a McDavid coming to sa- to save us is that you had these young forwards that you just played on the first line immediately in their rookie seasons and having absolutely no veteran support or anything and they were able to develop into pretty good uh, point producers but the all-around game is not there and just the complete lack of actual veteran support for them throughout the rebuild here's the thing that i was thinking about is i think the best veteran player that this core was surrounded with during this rebuild was connor brown Oof. and then you have connor oh. brown the oilers now no so, yeah, i'll take right. him back yeah exactly exactly and obviously he was much better in ottawa than he yeah. has been for edmonton but it's like we're at this point where, sure, we're bringing in some some more veterans now, like Giroux, Tarasenko, Chikrin, all good additions, but it feels like the team was just uh, just a bunch of young guys running around with no consequences for so long, and it, it really is giving me flashbacks oh, yeah. of uh, of the Hall era Edmonton Oilers. It, like, does is does that feel too harsh to you? Like, was it no, much worse, or no, do you think it makes sense? Because I remember every year in the off season, this is the year we're taking a step. Hall, mm-hmm. Everly, Yakupov, Nugent Hopkins go up and down the list, and the guys that they would sign weren't they wouldn't make trades uh like it feels like the Sens made trades and got brought people in when it was too late when the thing was too far gone like whether it's the brink and that obviously didn't work out and then you have Giroux that you brought in to try and do it but I don't really know like obviously it's fit well but this he like I remember last season he seemed a lot better obviously than he has been this year uh Tarasenko mm-hmm. kind of at this point in his career is kind of just a plug-and-play guy and it reminds me they always brought in Benoit Pouliot, you know, insert veteran right. here a little bit after, kind of overpaid to bring in the guy. Never really worked out. Always ended up in a buyout. One of the few guys who did work out was Andre Sekera. But those thir- go back and look at the 13-14 Edmonton Oilers. There are some stars on that team, guys who have now been around the league quite a bit, you know, Everly and Hall specifically. But there was obviously the only guy that's been a constant it, uh, was Ryan Nugent Hopkins throughout that. And uh, maybe that's your Tim Stutz. Maybe your Tim Stutz is Leon Dreisler because that was drafted before Connor McDavid, and he would, and they, Leon Draisaitl is a great player, uh, in spite of the Edmonton Oilers, not because of the Edmonton Oilers. They did everything they could to fuck up his development. They brought him up as an 18-year-old. They made him the second-line center. He had one goal in 33 games, I want to say. He looked completely lost. They burnt the year on his entry-level contract. They sent him down to Prince Albert. He was traded to Kelowna, went on to win the Memorial Cup. Then the next year, they get McDavid. And they st- then they finally send down Leon to the AHL. I can't remember if it was Leon or someone else, but he's in the AHL for like four games. And then they call him up and they put him in there, let go. And he ended up having pretty decent chemistry with Taylor Hall. Uh, but they, but again, they did everything they could to fuck up the development of Leon Drysaddle, and he has far away exceeded even the highest expectations for his career. But yeah, no, I see that. I with Kachuk. Batherson. I mean, Stutzla's kind of the outlier because he, to, to me, he feels like a good player. Like, he feels like someone you can have as your first line center. 
But obviously, you look around, even the the Sens division, the, the guys, like, I know Tampa kind of stinks this year, and Boston lost their centers, but for the last number of years, like, Austin Matthews, Patrice Bergeron, Steven Samkos, Braden Point, like, there's, Stutzla hasn't been on their level, despite, you know, being a decent points producer, so I really do think that uh, that does hit pretty close to home to me, and that makes me feel a lot worse for you. You just get, you buy into the hype every year, you think it's going to mm-hmm. be good, and then they're, you know, five and five through ten, whatever the sends were, and you're just like, oh, fuck, here we go again, and it's the same old, same old, can we claw it out? You win a couple, you feel good, and then it's just a long, another long losing streak, so I know exactly how your pain is. Uh, the one th- unfortunate thing is there is no Connor McDavid coming to you guys. We That's got hard. it. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's tough. But other than that mod, it's been fun. Uh, I really appreciate you hopping on with me tonight. Uh, it's super late. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, again, the Lowe's win three to one over the Ottawa Senators, uh, mod. I'm not sure you want to let anyone know when your next game is or, um, where they can find you on Twitter or anything. Yeah. Um, shit. When is my next game? Mm-hmm. I, I think the Sens. I don't even. You know what? It's I don't even good. know when the Sens play again because I'm. I'm getting so checked out at this point that it's like before when I care, it's like oh, I have the schedule memorized for the next couple of weeks. Now we're at the, just at the point where it's like oh, I, I don't even remember. I, but I think the next game that I'm hosting is like a week from now. So if anyone wants to come hang out for that one, uh, there will be plenty more game over Ottawa where we will be continuing to suffer for sure. And uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Mod Show. That's M A U D E S C H O. Oh, I kind of did you a little dirty there. And while you were saying you don't know where the sen- when the Sens' next game is, I didn't know when the Oilers' next game was. And I pulled up <laughs> the schedule real quick. The Oilers' next game will be against the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago. They're going on a three-game road trip. Avery will have all three games. Dennis and I will be back after that when the Oilers are back at home. Um, but yeah, so the Oilers' next game against Blackhawks. No Connor Bedard, which kind of sucks. Uh, other than that, you can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Uh, thank you guys all for joining us tonight. It was a blast. I can't wait till uh, do another one of these crossover shows. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Have a good right. night, everyone. Yeah, take care.